A contentious program that brings in billions for U.S. hospitals had its moment in the sun this summer. You'll hear an argument next in case 2011-14, American Hospital Association versus Becerra. The Supreme Court unanimously ruled that Medicare illegally cut payments to hospitals in the 340B program and now owes them about $3 billion. But the court was silent on the controversy that has dogged 340B for years. Who should benefit? That question has pitted hospitals against hospitals, pharmaceutical giants against clinics that serve low-income patients. Stuck in the middle of these heavyweights, some of the country's poorest and most vulnerable people. Today, diving deep into 340B, how it works, how it's evolved, and what it may take to fix this $38 billion program. From the studio at the Leonard Davis Institute at the University of Pennsylvania, I'm Dan Gorenstein. This is Tradeoffs. When I look at 340B, I see shades of Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. Give my creation Good intentions gone wrong. The good intention was simple enough. Congress created 340B in 1992 to help hospitals and clinics care for low-income patients. Think big public hospitals, AIDS clinics, and community health centers. 340B requires drug companies to give these providers big discounts on prescription drugs. And as the program has grown in recent years, it's gotten contentious. 340B is critical for safety net providers that care for patients and families with the greatest needs and fewest resources. So the 340B program, which ostensibly is getting this discount to provide more services, statistically is associated with providing fewer services. Now, you've got all the various camps, hospitals, drug makers, and community health centers, all armed with their own data and talking points. But the evidence produced by academics who have no financial interests raises foundational questions about whether this little understood program is delivering on its original promise. Uh, you can say that again. <laughs> to help us understand, 340B is University of Minnesota economist and trade-offs research editor, Sae Nikpay. Sae, nice to see you. Thank you. It's nice to see you too. So you've written and researched this program as much as just about anybody in the country. Yeah, uh, I've been studying this program for eight years, which is basically since I started my career. I actually dream about 340B. Wait, is that true? It is true. Like I talk about it on date night, like it's, yeah. And would you consider yourself someone, Sae, who thinks 340B has lost its way? Yes, absolutely. So so help me trace how that has happened. And let's start by explaining what problem the 340B program set out to solve. Okay, well, here's the scene back in 1992. Federally funded clinics were struggling to make ends meet. Public hospitals like Cook County Medical Center in Chicago were closing at twice the rate of just hospitals in general. And Congress was concerned. 
In some sense, Cook County was exactly the kind of hospital that 340B was designed to help. Cook County, why? Tell me more about Cook County. So they take everyone, no insurance, undocumented, no problem. And they end up providing lots of free care. More than 75% of Cook County's patients are on Medicaid, or they pay cash, or they rely on charity care. And back in the early 90s, Congress wanted to make sure that places like this could keep the lights on and continue to take care of this vulnerable patient population. Okay, so Congress wants to protect the services the Cook Counties of the world are providing, and their solution was to require drug makers to give them big discounts. Say, help us follow the money. Okay, sure. So take a cancer drug. The drug maker normally charges $100,000. But since Cook County is 340B, they'd get it at a discount. The actual discounts are confidential, and the details are really technical. But roughly, based on some government reports, we know that the discount that they get is likely between 20 and 50% of that $100,000. Fine. And to make the math easy here in this example, let's say Cook County got a 50% discount. So they're paying $50,000 to the drug company. That's simple enough. Now, I grew up in Chicago. What if I am uninsured? I go to Cook County and need this drug. Say, how much am I going to pay? You're uninsured, so you'll probably pay really little, maybe nothing at all, which again is why I think of this hospital as the 340B poster child. By helping out Cook County, policymakers were giving you, the uninsured patient, help too. Because it's using these discounts to give them free care, right? Okay, that makes sense. And what, say, if I have insurance, what happens then? Well, if you're insured, you'll probably have a copay, like any other prescription, and your insurance will cover the rest. But this is actually where it gets interesting, Dan. Even though Cook County only paid $50,000 for that drug, they can charge your insurer the whole $100,000 and pocket the fifty grand. The hospital can then use that money to help cover all those free doses of drugs they're giving out to uninsured folks, Or they could just use it to keep the lights on. Because, as you said, a lot of these places struggle financially because they offer so much free care. Exactly. So what's interesting here to me is when Congress created the program in the 90s, lawmakers decided not to give patients a discount directly. This is really about the hospitals, the clinics. Uh, places like Cook County, Congress wanting them to get these big discounts so they can keep their doors open. Am, am I getting this right, Sai? Yeah, it's a little bit more complicated than that. There are some advocates and policymakers who have been arguing that the whole point of this program should be to help directly those low-income patients who can't afford prescription drugs. And then there are others who say this is just a distinction without a difference. If Cook counties benefit from the program, those benefits should inevitably trickle down to those needy patients they serve. And Dan, this ambiguity over who 340B should target, the hospitals and the clinics, or the actual people who are struggling to afford their drugs, it's at the core of the concerns about how this program's good intentions have gone wrong. Remember... Get him alive if you can, but get him! When we come back, 
how 340B has morphed beyond its creator's design and what's at stake if the program stays on its current path. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Welcome back. We're talking with University of Minnesota economist and trade-offs research editor Saeed Nikpay, talking about the controversial $38 billion drug discount program known as 340B. Before the break, Saeed, you were saying a lot of 340B's problems stem from a question over who should benefit from this program. That's right, Dan. Based on the research, this is where we start to see 340B's good intentions start to morph. When the program started in 1992, fewer than 3% of hospitals were participating, and they tended to look like Cook County with lots of low-income and uninsured patients. By 2009, it's up to about 13% of hospitals, and they're starting to look a little different. Way fewer uninsured patients, but they still qualified because Congress left the eligibility rules for the program pretty broad. And then they made them even broader when they passed Obamacare in 2010. Now, rural hospitals, cancer hospitals, critical access hospitals, a couple of other types of hospitals could join too, regardless of how many uninsured patients they served. So how big has the 340B Frankenstein monster become? Okay, you ready for this? I am. By 2020, about 40% of hospitals were getting discounts. And as you've said, 340B now accounts for $38 billion of spending or 7% of total U.S. drug spend. Wow, that is huge from where this thing started. But Saye, I've got to say, like on the one hand, this seems like it could be a good thing, right? More hospitals are enrolling in the program, getting discounts, passing them along to patients. At the same time, though, it sounds like what you're saying is a a bunch of these newer hospitals don't look anything like Cook County. Exactly. A 2018 federal report found that many 340B hospitals don't actually serve lots of low-income patients. Let's stay in Chicago, Dan, where there are now 20 hospitals in the 340B program And some of them have 75% of their patients who are commercially insured or on Medicare. Which is the exact opposite of Cook County, which had, I think, 75% on Medicaid cash or charity care. Yep, that's right. And at those new hospitals, only about 5% of patients get outright charity compared to Cook County, where it's double that. And that matters because the more insured patients the hospital has, the more money that hospital can bring in through 340B. In other words, 
they have a lot more patients with insurance who they can charge that full $100,000 for for that cancer drug and make the $50,000 profit and a lot fewer patients who need the drug for free. And say, when you look at the patients these newer hospitals serve, 340B starts to look more like a cash cow than a program to help hospitals that treat lots of low-income patients. That's right, Dan. Now, to be clear, because of how the law is written, all of these hospitals with lots of insured patients can apply to the government and enroll in 340B. It's all above board. And a lot of them say that they use those savings to provide cheaper medications to low-income people, opening clinics and high-need areas or offering free care to the uninsured. At the same time, and I know you know this, I.A., you have drug makers and some lawmakers accusing these newer 340B hospitals of gaming the system, allowing them to pocket those discounts without doing much to help low-income people. Who's right here? It's hard to know, Dan, because hospitals can use the money however they want, and there are no reporting requirements in order to track that 340B spending. Some of them might be doing wonderful, lovely things. But as a researcher and someone who likes systematic evidence, objective evidence, big data sets, it's really hard for me to rely on these self-reported testimonials and to truly know whether these hospitals with a lot of insured patients are living up to their word and the original intent of 340B. We need data on how they're spending this money. And without it, we're left with limited evidence to answer how much low-income people are actually benefiting. But there are some studies, right? Like we've talked about this. You've done some of them. What do they tell us? Okay, so here's the clearest picture we can put together, Dan, with far from perfect data. Back of the envelope, it looks like $15 billion is going to 340B providers. Most of that is going to hospitals. What the best evidence shows us is that hospitals are continuing to find ways to make money from this program through things like opening up clinics in richer neighborhoods. But their spending on low-income and uninsured patients stays flat. So here's the Frankenstein, right, where this program maybe has gotten out of hand. Let me see if I've got it, Sae. 340B was designed for Group A hospitals and clinics who serve primarily low-income and uninsured patients. But lately, we've been seeing a lot more from Group B, these hospitals that care for more well-insured people. And that's got drug makers, policymakers, and academics like you saying this program has gone off the rails. You've got it, Dan. And we know that collectively, the hospitals in 340B are getting billions of dollars a year through this program, a program that's made to make sure that low-income people can get care and afford their prescriptions. What's a mystery right now is how well those goals are actually being met. And is there any movement from lawmakers in Washington to actually get to the bottom of this mystery? There were a handful of hearings in 2018, but so far nothing's come from them. One reason I think 340B is so hard to change is because so few people know how it works. But maybe even more than that, there's a lot of money at stake for these hospitals and clinics. Hospitals are pillars of their community and huge employers. And as we've seen over and over again, it's hard to convince lawmakers to take money away from them.
you know, Sai, I can understand why you've spent so much of your career working on 340B. Health economists hate inefficiencies and wasteful spending. I certainly know that. And drug makers clearly do not like giving all of these discounts. But why should everybody else care about the fate of 340B, this Frankenstein? Because that good intention 340B started with, you know, helping hospitals and clinics care for vulnerable people, that's critical. But that critical mission is in jeopardy. Drug makers are getting angry and they're pushing back. Nearly 20 companies are refusing to offer 340B discounts to some pharmacies. And while these industry giants battle it out, you've got safety net hospitals and clinics and the vulnerable patients that they serve hanging in the balance. If 340B goes away, some of these providers could too, and their patients will have even fewer options than they do today. Sai Nikpe, thanks so much for being here. Always a pleasure, Dan. I'm Dan Gorenstein. This is Tradeoffs. Nine eight eight. The new national hotline for mental health emergencies goes live July sixteenth, and next week, Tradeoffs is bringing you special coverage looking at the immense hurdles states must clear. My biggest fear is that we're going to have fifty one versions of bad, like finding ways to staff up nine eight eight call centers. If we're not attending to the staff, ultimately that has huge detrimental impacts on communities. People won't call anymore. Which could leave people in crisis with even fewer resources to seek help. And we get dispatches from three reporters in the Midwest about efforts on the ground as the hotline goes live. Join us next week. Thanks for listening to Tradeoffs. If you've just discovered us, remember to subscribe to the feed so you never miss an episode. Subscribing is free and easy on whichever podcasting app you use Apple Podcasts, Spotify, NPR One, anywhere you listen to podcasts. The Tradeoffs team is producer Ryan Levy, editor Kate Cahan, executive director Jessica Silverman, audience engagement lead Shannon Crane, senior health policy editor Sarah Thomas, sound designer Andrew Perella, executive editor Dan Gorenstein, and senior producer Leslie Walker. The Tradeoffs theme song was composed by Ty Sitterman, with additional music this episode from Blue Dot Sessions and Epidemic Sound. Tradeoffs coverage of healthcare costs is supported in part by Arnold Ventures and West Health. Additional thanks this week to Allison Hoffman. Thanks also to all our listeners who helped to support our work, including Tom Mendelson and Julia Gittleman, Lucy Stark, and Kate Baker. Our media partner is Side Effects Public Media, based at WFYI. Tradeoffs is supported by the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation, Arnold Ventures, West Health, the Scan Foundation, the Better Care Playbook, the Leonard Davis Institute of Health Economics at the University of Pennsylvania, the Sozose Foundation, and the National Institute for Healthcare Management Foundation. The views expressed in this episode are those of the individuals and not those of Tradeoffs staff, advisors, or funders. Hold up. What was that? 
Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hello, Fresh. 